0: Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh yeah! Then you're in the right place.
1: I am going to make them an offer again.
0: Life moves pretty fast. Yeah, Patriots win Welcome to the man made Chronicles. has his best!
1: Mom, come on! I got a game! Henry thinks that he's actually going to play today. Henry Rowengartner had a dream. Roland Gardner, get it the right there play in the major leagues only one thing
0: stood in his way reality until one day everything fell into place
1: how long will he have to be in the cast august and now rotate from the shoulder Slowly. Oh!
0: oh whoa. Funky butt-loving! Did he say funky butt-loving? <laughs>
1: Those tendons have healed, uh, a little tight. Now, the kid who wasn't good enough for little League the the <laughs> fire. Mom, watch this! Wait. ...is pitching... <laughs> Gosh, Henry! You can play for the Cubs! Hey! ...in the big leagues... I'm the new pitcher! <laughs> the youngest person in history to play Major League Baseball. Hi, Henry. Welcome to the big show.
0: <laughs> but what can one sixth
1: grader do against pros like these? Give me really good stuff. Anything he wants. <laughs> I'm not a chicken, you're the chicken.
0: This summer, the majors will be answering to a minor.
1: Danger's got a big butt. Danger's got a big butt.
0: Rookie of the Year. Gotcha. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles podcast, a podcast of top culture, where everyone has a story. My guest this week, I've been excited for a few weeks now, you've seen him in Rookie of the Year, Wade for Mickey, Walt for Mickey, and the American Pie movies, Thomas E. and Nicholas. Thomas, how you
1: doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. How are things with you? Uh, things are good. Just uh, been a little, a little hectic, traveling, touring, playing music, going to different Comic-Cons. Uh, I'll be out in philly uh next week making a stopover in france for the film for the uh Cannes film festival first um and then continuing on and then right now i'm i'm currently cooking dinner for my wife and two kids
0: <laughs> <laughs> while you're
1: recording a podcast right yeah because you know that. We we don't we don't ever do just one thing at a time anymore. We've got to do at least like two or three at the same time.
0: Oh, I understand completely. Like I said, you know, before we got on the air, I told you I have two kids also, so I know how it is. What a, How how old are your kids, by the way? I have a three year old daughter and a six month old boy.
1: Oh, awesome! Yeah. Awesome! Yeah, my daughter is two, and my son is six, so almost around like a little bit like another year, but about the same sort of yeah. uh, difference in age.
0: Are you do you enjoy parenthood?
1: Oh, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's what I call the most rewarding challenge. Oh,
0: yeah. And every day there's a new challenge.
1: Yeah. But, you know, it's like at the end of the day you're like, hey, man, these are my kids. Oh, yeah. You know? So oh, it's yeah. totally worth it. But, yes, it's uh, it's, it's definitely everything is great. I knew what I was getting into. I'm, I'm the youngest of seven. Okay. And I have uh, like 25 nieces and nephews. So um, I kind of knew the craziness, but I don't think anyone else in my family – has my schedule. So, geez, I know between um, you
0: being busy it, and everything, it's, it must be tough.
1: It's, uh, it, it definitely adds an, an extra element, that's for sure. And my wife's a, a touring DJ, she just played in London last week. So, we, uh, we had to call in the, uh, because we were both out of the, out of town.
0: Yeah. So, uh, you were born in Vegas, right?
1: Yeah, I was born in Vegas, uh, lived in Northern California, but I pretty much grew up in LA since I was about six. Um, but yeah, I was definitely born in, uh, in Vegas.
0: So what made, uh, what made you at six years old, uh, what made your family move to LA?
1: Uh, we originally moved to LA from my mom to pursue her acting career. She had done that like once before when she was 19, um, before I was born obviously. And, um, and then, you know, kind of moved back home, moved back home to San Jose and then she was a dancer, met my dad, got married, had me, and then wanted to, you know, pursue her career again. You know, years later, when I was about five, yeah. so we came down here for her. But then uh, I ended up kind of getting involved on the set when I was like five, and and then she ended up kind of dropping everything, and for me to pursue the career. So I sort of I sort of stepped on my mom's toes, but she supported me all the way, and. Um, and, you know, I haven't really looked back since. I still, still love it, 30-some-odd 30, 30 years later.
0: Yeah, so you are a big time then, huh?
1: <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I, I was doing um, independent films. I think my, my very, very first job was uh, on this low-budget, independent Jan Michael Vincent movie um, called Hit List, and I played an Ultra Boy. So that was my... Uh, my big break and then i got an agent and did uh a job on who's the boss where i played a young tony danza on the 100th episode well
0: how was that how was it being on that show
1: oh it was amazing i mean that was like my first i consider that my first real job because it was the first job where i wasn't just an extra i was you know and i say just but i mean i had lines and things and you know it was a you no. Know, i was playing a young tony danza so yeah um it was awesome we didn't we had to shoot our stuff the day before though because tony had to get dressed up in like three hours of latex makeup so he could play his own grandfather so uh we didn't shoot our scenes in front of a live studio audience Um, which maybe was a good thing (laughs) (laughs) so that would have made it that would have made it a little bit more nerve-wracking
0: yeah so what made you like pursue acting was it because of your mother or did you just you that's what you wanted to do at six years old
1: um well my mom was was casting atmosphere and then she kept casting herself in like all the featured parts um so if you look in that movie my mom plays like six different characters uh with like different hairdos and stuff and then there was one day where she got a call at like a sunday night at 10 p.m and they said hey we need an altar boy 6 a.m call time tomorrow so she was lucky enough that she had or i guess i was lucky enough or she was lucky enough she'd she woke me up in the morning before uh, school and said, you're coming to work with mom. (laughs) And so my first experience was being on that set. And and that's still the thing that I love the most is being on the set. Like that's the the thing I'm addicted to. So I kind of go through all the other motions and finding jobs or producing films now, or, you know, all the sort of, you know, accolades that come or whatever happens. I just love being on set. So that's what got me started
0: so while you were doing the acting did you uh get home school did you go to regular school
1: um i went to regular public school until uh like through sixth grade so, you know i'd do school on the set while i was working and then um in seventh grade there was uh a lot of issues similar to now really um and so in the area that we lived they had some uh metal detectors at the school. And my mom was like, okay, you're not going to the public school that we live by. So I ended up going to this private school. And then um, I got really behind because I booked Rookie of the Year right as I was starting seventh grade. So when I came back after shooting in Chicago for three months, I ended up having to do schoolwork through the whole summer break because um, they just didn't give me the right workload. So I did that for a couple of years. And then finally, I, uh, I ended up going to a quote unquote per- school um, where they would just give me my whole year's workload. And I only had to show up about three hours a day. Um, which is the, you know, the government requirement is 15 hours of schooling, which is what we do on set. Yeah. But I found a school that I could do that, you know, from the, that was by my house. And, uh, so I didn't, I would, I always say that my, my high school experience is basically making American pie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we'll talk about that too. So, uh, so you had a, yeah, so you did a few television roles, and then you, you, uh, you got a role in Radio Flyer, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most of my, my role ended up on the cutting room floor next to Rhea Perlman. But yes, I was in uh, Radio Flyer with Elijah Wood and Joe Mazzello and Tom Hanks and John Hurd.
0: And how old were you when you, uh, when you booked that?
1: Um, if I remember correctly, we shot it in 1989, so I would have been nine years old.
0: And then a year later, you did Rookie of the Year, right?
1: Uh, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, uh, a couple years later, I did a movie called The Fear in Time. Okay. Which um, was with Christine Lottie and Dylan McDermott. Uh, it was a made-for-Showtime movie. Um, and then the next year was when I booked uh, Rookie for the Year, oh, okay. which was when I was 12. Yeah. I
0: can't believe that movie is almost 25 years old.
1: Oh it is 25 yeah. it's it'll be the, the official 25th anniversary date is July 7th of this year Wow and this is like this Gearing is up what, on the 25th this is
0: one of those movies like I was telling my wife like I can now wait for my kids to get older to play it for them you know I'm for, I'm 40 years old and you know so that movie you know, 25 years ago you know that was a long time ago watching that movie and it was like for a sports movie it was like you know a great kids movie to watch back then.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun ride um, making that film, and I, I just showed it to my son about a month ago, um, and he loved it. We watched it a few times, and I think after after he watched it, he said uh, after the second time, he goes, "You know, Dad, I can play baseball now." Said, <laughs> oh, really? What do you mean? He goes, "All I have to do is float it." <laughs> did he pick up any and other? My, my son, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, does, did he, does it? Did <laughs> he pick ahead. up?
0: Did he pick up any uh, good uh, any good quotes for me?
1: Uh, I mean, he picked up the quintessential quote, the pitcher's got a big butt. I mean, that's like what every you know six-year-old uh, runs around and says after watching that film. Right. Um, and then my son's actually, <laughs> he, he just heard me tell you that, and now he's saying it. <laughs> um, so uh, he's actually following in my, my footsteps a little bit. He just recently did his first job as an actor. Um, he'll be on the, uh, season finale episode or show finale, actually, of Zoe Dachanel's new girl. Oh,
0: nice.
1: And I think there's, uh, sometime this month. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It just came back.
1: Yeah. I think, but I think the, the, the show finale, like the, you know, the final, you know, show of the whole series is like maybe next week or something like that. Wow. And my son, uh, Nolan is on it. <laughs>
0: is this something that because of you, he wanted to pursue this path?
1: Yeah, he kind of, I mean, it was one of those things where I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, push him into it, but, um, he started out by being a little bit interested and, you know, and then kind of came to me saying that he wanted to do it. And I said, okay, well let's go meet with an agent who I, you know, is friends with, uh, an agent that reps kids and stuff. And, um, And so we met with her and she just like, was like, Oh my gosh, she's adorable. And so we, she first started sending him like voiceover auditions, which was a lot of fun because we just do them at home and, you know, just kind of have fun making silly voices and things. Um, And then he got a couple of callbacks where we had to go into the, to the studio and he recorded there and, you know, he just seemed to really enjoy it and kind of, you know, he kind of has the knack for it. and, And listen, I, I had some family that was in the business but they weren't really around doing it when I was starting, so I didn't have that like leg up on anything. So yeah. I'm like, you know what? If I could create that that uh make an easier path for my son, amen. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's definitely worth it. You, you always want like you want to see your, your your kids do better than you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's one of those things where like I I've played a, a little bit of sports, but all my friends that, you know, that play sports like I and I love I, I love playing it but you know like you could you can act until you're 80 yeah. you know you can play piano and play golf and <laughs> and act until you're 80 so yeah. I definitely support uh you know a life in the arts and entertainment and plus you know you get to make people enjoy themselves and and laugh and smile and sometimes cry but, Oh yeah. I mean it's not fun to make people cry but in that in that regard in, in regard to art it is I yeah. suppose.
0: So for rookie of the year how did you get cast in that Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I started auditioning, uh, you know, when I was six. And every year I would go on anywhere from probably, I mean, and this sounds ridiculous, but, you know, a lot of times there would be two, three, four, five or more auditions in a week. So by the end of the year, I would have gone on 100 to 200 auditions just to land one or two jobs that year yeah um so by the time yeah like i I auditioned for rookie of the year and ironically the first time i auditioned for it i didn't get a call back and um it's a it's kind of a sordid story but i was in the process of of switching agents at the time and i got uh, a new agent that wanted to work with me and so we were making the transition and so uh i signed with the new agent she calls me within the first week she goes hey i got this audition for you for rookie of the year and i said oh i already auditioned for it i didn't get a call back and she goes well they obviously don't remember you so go again (laughs) so so i went again and then i got a call back and then i got the job which was crazy they auditioned kids in la and new york and chicago i i've heard rumors that you know they auditioned somewhere in the vicinity of like 3,000 kids Jeez. and it was getting to the point where Daniel Stern uh, was going to hire his own son. Who's ironically named Henry <laughs> to play Henry Um And then he got, I I had my callback and I met him and I got the job. And I guess now Henry Stern is a, a Senator here in California in the 27th district. So
0: wow, really? Um, so how was it filming? Like being on Wrigley field and how did you guys like, you know, squeeze it to film it in between baseball season and stuff like that.
1: Well, <laughs> okay, I didn't always know this story, but recently I um I met with Bob Harper who produced Rookie of the Year um, you know, 25 years ago, and I was talking to him about the idea of maybe doing like a, you know, delayed sequel or some sort of reboot of the film because there still seems to be such a strong fan base for it and a lot of people have Showing their kids the movie um, and all that, so I was like, "Hey, you know, what do you think?" And while we were meeting about it, um, he told me this story about you know shooting there because I said, "You know, Tom Rickett said it would be cool. We could we could film the movie there. He's agreed to it because um, I've been going out there every year since uh, 2008, throwing out the first pitch and singing the seventh inning stretch once a year. Um, and so Bob was telling me that when they shot the first movie. They went and met with the Cubs administration, which is obviously not the Ricketts administration. Correct, because This is 25 years ago. Um, but uh, they asked them, you know, when they could shoot. And they said, uh, you can shoot you know, in October. And they said, well, what about, you know, the the postseason? Like if the Cubs make the playoffs. And they go, we can absolutely guarantee you that this 1992 team will not be playing for the postseason <laughs> and they knew this like in may yeah. <laughs> so uh a vastly different team back then um but yeah so we shot in the postseason it was pretty cold and they ended up having to bring in um camouflage for or camo netting for the ivy that's on the back wall Okay. Uh, originally i think they they wanted to paint it and and the Cubs were like, No, you cannot paint the ivy <laughs> into green to make it look like it's, you know, spring or summer. Um, but yeah, they ended up putting like camo netting, um, up there, so you can't really tell because it's so far away, yeah, in all the shots and everything.
0: I mean, I, I, I would love to see a sequel. Like, I was telling you, know, me and my wife, but you know, my wife, you know, I talked to her about movies and sports, and I told her, like, I always had this big joke how, like, I'm a big Red Sox fan because I'm from Massachusetts, but the second favorite team is the Cubs. And I said, because of this movie, I root for the Cubs. And it's, <laughs> and it's something about, I don't know, something about it. It's just like, I want to go to Wrigley Field someday and check it out.
1: Well, you definitely got to come check out Wrigley. It's, uh you know, like Fenway, it's, it's a very, very special place that yeah. has, you can just kind of feel the history when you're there. Yeah.
0: How was it working with uh, Daniel Stern?
1: Oh, Danny was great. You know, he... Uh, you know, he was a super. He's not the the zany sort of person that he kind of seemingly plays in the film, as well as um, other movies like Home Alone and things. He's a, a very caring, thoughtful, um, you know, person. Very passionate, and he he's kind of like you know, like not like a dad to me, but but definitely you know, a very yeah, a very cool guy, very nice guy to work with. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, when you pitch the idea for the sequel, kind of like uh. You, is it supposed to be you coming back to play baseball, or is it like your son or something like that?
1: I thought it because the whole the whole thing for me and my pitch was, and I didn't you know i i I don't really enjoy writing because I feel like writing is like the blueprints of a movie, and for me, that's like the most stressful part of it. yeah I have a lot of respect for writers. um i can I can edit a script like nobody's business, but building it from the ground up. But I had, I had pitched that we would have, you know, Sam Harper, uh, no relation to Bob Harper, but Sam uh, also wrote Cheaper by the Dozen, write the script. And he had written this, uh, this sort of faux article about five years ago for Sports Illustrated about how, like, where is Henry Gartner now? Okay. And his whole joke was that, you know, this wacky healing ability, you know, runs in his, his family, it's sort of like a, you know, a gene. So it was that, you know, since the time of rookie of the year, he busted his leg in the tendon heel tight and he went and kicked for the bears and <laughs> took them into the super bowl. And then, you know, later he, you know, like hurt his shoulder and the tendon heel tight and he like won the bowling championship. And, <laughs> you know, uh, and then he cuts the interview short because his son comes up and asks him to come play catch. And he's like, Oh, I got to go. I'm going to, you know, I got something more important to do. Yeah. So I just thought, like, okay, if this is, like, you know, maybe an ongoing thing if you kind of consider that the alter reality since it is a fantasy, that maybe his son inherits the same quality and yeah. and healing and, uh, and that he uh, – the son, you know, breaks his arm and gets the same sort of fast pitch. But, you know, Henry having quit wouldn't want his son to do the same – go down the same road. He doesn't want him to lose his childhood. Yeah. So he would kind of, you know, steer him against it, and and uh, and then I thought maybe you know at that point you'd have like Henry be like his mom. So his mom was a single parent. So you know, in today's day and age, we have a lot of we, we have more than ever some an uh, uprising in single fathers. Yeah. So maybe make you know Henry a single father, so that maybe his fiance is the one that kind of is like the Jack Bradshaw in the in the story that, you know, gets the Cubs to notice him and gets the kid drafted. I haven't really researched if there's a possibility of like Henry taking on some sort of position on the Cubs okay. that, uh, you know, he could then take the field. Like, I don't know if that exists. I, I mean, I don't know if there's a way to research this in baseball. Like <laughs> obviously the manager can't like go out and play if like too many players get injured. Right. 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 Uh, but there's got to be some sort of position. I don't know. Cause, I, 'Cause my idea would be you you sort of fulfill the kids' fantasy of, you know, every kid wants to play on a major league team and the whole thing that was cool about rookie of the year is that a kid got to play yeah. with the majors. Um, so my idea was that, you know, at one point maybe they both were on the field like father and son together. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's just it's just like a sort of a broad stroke idea and and Fox they want to do a sequel. They just didn't want to do it right now. So I don't know. Maybe I'll do a crowdfunding campaign later this year and see if we can't change their mind.
0: (laughs) I think you'll get a lot of support on it.
1: I mean, like I said, I think it'd be fun. I mean, I would, I would love to do it, you know, yeah. and I can't really control universal's, you know, idea about whether or not they want to do American pie five, because there's obviously a lot more people involved, but, uh, you know, maybe I could twist, fox Fox is on yeah so after
0: rookie of the year you were in uh, a kid in king's arthur court yeah
1: yeah
0: how was that how was it filming that
1: oh that was awesome we shot that in budapest hungary um ironically you know we went there to shoot at the set so you would think that we would go all the way to europe so we could shoot in a real castle but we ended up in just a set of occasions.
0: Wait a minute. Is there a, um, isn't there, was, a, isn't the beginning of the scene a baseball field? There was big ba- actual baseball field in Budapest? No,
1: there is no baseball fields in all of Europe. Um, we actually had to, the closest baseball field to Hungary was an old military base in England. Oh, okay. So we actually had to fly to England to be able to shoot that scene.
0: <laughs> and that was like the beginning and the end scene if I'm, if I'm correct.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is uh, the the bookend of the film. Yeah, and uh, how was it working
0: with uh, D- you know James Bond, Daniel Craig, and Kate Winslet? I know, right?
1: Well, that was <laughs> that was well before uh, he was James Bond, and that was only Kate's second movie. I think she'd only done Heavenly Creatures before that, um, with uh, I believe Peter Jackson, right? I think so. Maybe I'm mistaken on that. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. I mean, Kate was great. We, you know, hung out afterwards because she was only four years older than me. Okay. So at the time, I was like 14. She was 18. Um, you know, Daniel was pretty funny. Uh, him and Art Malik were hanging out on set, and he was a nice guy. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see, like, where their careers have gone, considering that, you know, I was the uh, the building above them in that film. And, uh, oh, how the tides have changed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, did you at least enjoy your time in Europe when you were filming this?
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I, lo- I loved being over there, and it was, uh, it was a good time, for sure.
0: <clears throat> so, like I said, a lot of the listeners, you know, they know you from the American Pie movies. Uh, did you enjoy doing those?
1: Yeah, each one was subsequently more fun than the previous because, um, you know, as we got to know each other more, we'd spend more time hanging out and became closer friends. And then by the time we did the last one, we started or really like the second to last one, we finally went on location because everything else was shot around the LA area. Um, And then, you know, so if you're just like at home, you know, you're going to spend the weekend doing your normal stuff, but when you're on location, then you kind of spend the weekend (laughs) hanging out with each other and getting into trouble. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and then of course the last one we shot, um, in Atlanta, so the entire thing was on location, and it was like us having our own sort of reunion in real life, like yeah. art imitating life.
0: <clears throat> How was it? uh like going for that role. There must have been a lot of people going for that movie back then.
1: Yeah, it's um. There was definitely. It was definitely. I mean, obviously, no one knew it was going to be a big success. I think uh, they were having trouble finding that role. And I think they had offered it to, uh, to someone else who um, was, you know, busy working on another film. Um, and it was actually my buddy. <laughs> so he couldn't do it. I didn't know this at the time. I found this out years later. But um, I actually bypassed <laughs> the audition because I thought... <laughs> excuse me the uh the material was a little too raunchy
0: oh wow so what made you, <laughs> so what made you go back to take it
1: um well I finally read the whole script and realized that there was a lot more to it than you know just raunchy humor yeah it had a lot of heart and obviously my character you know <laughs> had a it was, you know, it was a well-rounded person, someone that you could relate to. And it wasn't, there was a lot of insanely funny jokes, yeah. but it wasn't just about the jokes. But, you know, reading the first scene uh, of the first draft that is not actually in the film um, was uh, was not telltale of what the movie was really all about. I mean, it was, I think it was Kevin and Vicky and they were in Vicky's bedroom and she was giving him instructions yeah. On um, <clears throat> movements.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Per se. So, so uh, like. How was it working with that cast? You know, like Jason Biggs and, you know, I can name them all right now. You know, Chris Klein and uh, Sean William Scott and all those guys. Like, how was it? I mean, it sounds like. Oh, like it sounds to be like a blast just hanging out with those guys.
1: Yeah, everyone's you know super cool and it's a great group of people. Obviously, you know, just like the film. Not that we're stereotypical uh, of the different things, but the, the film itself, if you, if you really kind of dissect it, it kind of has someone representing each different clique in high school. Okay. So, you know, mm-hmm. you've got the jocks and the nerds and the, and the, you know, the dorks and the, you know, and the, like the normal guys and, and everything. And there's sort of a person representing each kind of clique. And so similar to that, we're all vastly different, but it's it's all, you know, a great group of people, and we still keep in touch. And like I said, I've been doing a lot of Comic-Cons uh, recently to promote some of my projects that I'm producing, yeah. some of the films that I'm making. Um, so I've, I've seen, you know, Mina and Tara and Shannon and Chris Owen, who played the Shermanator, at some of these events, and it's been great to, yeah. you know, to, you know know, they're like my real, like I said, my... I didn't go to real high school, so these are my high school friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you do you remember like one of the funniest things that happened on set in those movies that you can share with the listeners?
1: Um man. I'm trying to think of, you know, something that would be that would be worthy of a story to tell of something like super funny. Um I mean there was there was just great days where, you know, Sometimes it was hard to keep a straight face, especially in the scenes with Sean Williams Scott. Like, he's just a funny dude. And, uh, you know, um, there was a lot of antics on Reunion, for sure, where we were definitely playing more pranks than everyone. Because, you know, we know everyone better. I don't know if there's any, like, one sort of story that that stands out above the rest. Yeah. Uh, per se Just cause you know You're talking about The course Like next year Is the 20 year anniversary Of American Pie And uh, The uh, We've done Four films So there's just like There's so much In my mind That flashes When you're like Tell me a funny story From the set I'm yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm flooded With like Every film we shot For three months So I've <laughs> got like Nine months of memories Over yeah. the course of 20 years You know
0: cool. Oh yeah Do you Do you think we're gonna see Another one
1: you know, Universal was super happy with what John and Hayden wrote and, and, and the film that we all made with Reunion. And uh, they, they hired them to, to write another movie. And um, John and Hayden wrote it. And as far as I know, it's been sitting on a shelf at Universal, so to speak, for five years.
0: Oh, wow.
1: So I don't know what the plan is with it. I mean, when, when we did the premiere you know one of the the head honchos at universal was like yeah we're we're super happy like thanks great job and you know looking forward to next year yeah and like that we even put that line in there in the in the movie like hey we should do this every year and uh i don't know i don't know what the deal yeah. is what the hold up is yeah so but it's you know it's i don't think it's outside of the realm of possibilities maybe at some point whatever it is that's holding it back will get out of the way yeah and we'll go uh, have some
0: fun. There you go. So in uh, so in 2015, you did uh, you played Walt Disney in Walt Before Mickey. How do you how did you prepare yourself for a role like that? I mean, that's a pretty big role.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's just let's just put it this way. They uh, they they called me and asked me if I wanted to play Walt Disney, and I of course said yes immediately. Um, you know that would be an honor, and. Uh, then they said, "Great, you start next week." So five days later, I was on a plane to Florida, and <laughs> you could say I didn't have a lot of time to prepare. Um, so I think I kind of, after watching Saving Mr. Banks, which had come out around that time, uh, we I uh, sort of decided to bypass, um, you know, Tom Hanks' performance and the, and the Walt that we kind of all grew up knowing. Yeah, I thought Tom Hanks did a, a great job. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not the Walt that's in the, the movie. Cause I was thinking about, you know, myself as a young man. Uh, hey, I say that now, like I'm so old, but you know, I'm, yeah. I, at the time we shot this like four years ago, so I was in my early thirties and I was thinking like, okay, I'm playing, I'm playing this character from 17 to 27. You know, obviously the Walt that I grew up, you know, watching introduce, you know, Winnie the Pooh cartoons in his blue cardigan sweater is not the Walt that would be, you know, the, the, the energy and vigor of a 17 year old. Cause that's, you know, even, even now I have a lot of energy, but not the same that when I was, you know, 17 or 20. So I just kind of focused all my energy on what would drive a person to continue going and moving forward despite going bankrupt and failing so many times. Cause I didn't really know anything about his early life and career okay. prior to uh, to getting the offer. And I, I was really surprised because it's like, I don't know, well, maybe I'm not because you think of Walt Disney and, you know, obviously the man and the company and everything is a household name. You, you can't go anywhere in the world. and People don't know what Disney is Correct. and Mickey Mouse. Oh, yeah. But I guess I just never, I never really thought like, oh yeah, anyone who succeeds, had to fail the only difference is they just kept trying
0: um so tell us a little bit about your band i didn't even know you had a band until like a couple weeks ago
1: <laughs> well that's uh that's that's fair enough um i mean we've never been we've never been signed to a a major label so um we haven't had that big that big promotional push uh so to speak um so it's not surprising that you wouldn't have heard of it but we have released like six albums over the last uh, ten years, and played six hundred shows, and toured in the UK and Denmark and Austria and around the U.S. and uh, even all the way to Hawaii, yeah. exotic Hawaii. <laughs> I did.
0: I, I did read online that uh, you did write a song for the soundtrack for one of the uh, American Pie movies, but the song never made it.
1: Uh, no! It finally did in for American Reunion. Oh, for um, Reunion. Yeah, because it, it was it was one of those things. I, I had finished my first album right um, right before American Pie won, um, and so I asked you know Paul and Chris Weitz and uh, and Craig Perry and Chris Moore, the directors and producers, if uh, I could get a song on the soundtrack possibly. And they all listened to the first album and they said, "Yeah, your album's great. Like that shouldn't be a problem." But then the music supervisor. Um, Kind of didn't let that happen because i guess he had his own ideas about you know what kind of music he wanted on there so i tried again i had finished my ep for american pie 2 and sort of did the same thing like there's the same uh producers and and, and jb rogers was the first ad on the first one so he directed the sequel so i was like hey you know if I get a song on there and he's like yeah it shouldn't be a problem and once again same music supervisor <laughs> he didn't let it happen um so, uh, I tried again for, um, uh, American wedding and it was the same thing. So, so finally, uh, what ended up happening is instead of me just like calling and trying to get a, to ask for a favor, um, I played the rap party for American reunion. Okay. And after I got done with my set, um, Hayden came over and he's like, wow, like you're really good. Like, you know, could we 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 should put like a song ears on there. And I had done, I was trying to do a cover of Wade um, because Matt Nathanson did the one for American pie Two, uh, And obviously James banded the first one. So I was like trying to get a, my own version, uh, which is why that's on uh, a couple of my albums. Um, and so they were like, well, we want to go with the original for that, but maybe you can cover like lit or, you know, Blink One Eighty Two or something like that. And I was like, "Cool, yeah." Just let me know what song you guys want, and then uh, I sent them a bunch of things. They ended up picking one of my originals, which they they play in the movie uh, right when Sean sticks his fingers in my mouth in American Reunion. Is my <laughs> song playing in the background? Which uh, is pretty funny, and um, and then they actually put it on the uh, the soundtrack album as well. So it wasn't just like you know, even though it only plays for like. 30 seconds like any song in the movie um they put it on the actual soundtrack album that they released in the stores which was which was pretty cool so it only took me 13 years but i finally got a song on the soundtrack
0: do you um do you like tour all over the country or did you just stay like in the california area
1: uh i mainly tour in the midwest so around illinois ohio iowa area um you know down in nashville and and all that um and then i do east coast stuff you know new york virginia um and then probably my big stomping ground besides the the midwest is uh the uk um we've done like six or seven tours over there and i've done um denmark and germany a couple of times and austria a couple of times um so i haven't like been to every part of the world but definitely you know we do like other things around the U S as well. Okay. Um, but like I said, the, the sort of the hot spots for us is like the Midwest and the UK. Those are like our, our two major touring areas.
0: And now, um, you also produce and direct, you've gone through that stage a little bit more than acting, right?
1: Uh, well, every time I produce or direct, i uh, I also act in it. So okay. uh, I hire myself because that's like narcissism meets nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the last film that uh, that just came out in theaters in February, got picked up by Sony. It's called Living Among Us, and it's a uh, a vampire flick. Um, and it's uh, it's actually John Hurd's last movie, and I had worked with John you know, 28 years ago on radio flyer.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so this is the the very last thing that he worked on. It was probably like the Monday, uh, before the, he passed on a Friday and the Monday before that he was doing ADR for us. Um, so it's kind of crazy that he's, he's not here anymore. Cause he was such a great actor. Uh, and I'd known him for a long, long time, but the film is great. He's great in the film. We dedicated it to his memory and, um, Andrew Keegan's in it and Esme Bianco from Game of Thrones and uh, uh, William Sadler is in it, and James Russo. The one that I did previous to that is called The Lost Tree uh, that came out in theaters in October. Both of these, by the way, are available on DVD. You can get it at like uh, Walmart or Target or Best Buy. It's on all streaming platforms. And The Lost Tree I think just came out on Redbox across the country as well. And then I'm, I'm shooting, like, I think, like three more films this year. Nice. Um, doing a, a neo-noir drama called Adverse that we start uh, shooting in June. Um, I can't really tell you exactly who will be playing the main antagonist, but I promise you no matter which of the two guys we get, you will definitely know who they are. <laughs> nice. uh, and then I'm doing a, uh, a comedy called Bitcoin um, that I'm shooting at the end of July. And, uh, and then the other project that's brought me to all my uh, Comic-Cons across the country for the last year is a fantasy called Handbook for Mortals that's uh, based upon a best-selling book. Uh, and that's a fantasy about a young woman who moves to Las Vegas to join a magic show, but it turns out she can actually do real magic.
0: Wow. Do you, uh, do you enjoy
1: doing the Comic-Cons?
0: And meeting fans, yeah, they're a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, it's it, it's. I mean, I essentially get to say thank you to anyone who's ever watched my films yeah. over the last 30 years. You know, what other job can you like sign up to? Like, hey, I'll, I'm gonna go to this comic con, and then people are gonna come up and say, I loved your movie, and I'm gonna say, Thank you so much for watching. Here's what I have coming up next.
0: Yeah, you're right, so you're right. About I that. feel
1: yeah, it's, it's a really fun experience and, you know, it's such a tangible thing about getting to meet people in person that enjoy your work, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. uh, versus just continuing to kind of have this like separation. And I feel like social media is great and it kind of bridge that gap, but it's not tangible, you know, yeah. and as excited as people get, like if I answer them back or favorite their tweet, if they tag me. Um, or if I think i funny and retweet it or whatever it is, yeah. it's not tangible. It's not that, like, real-life moment. It's like the difference between watching a film uh, at home, you know, On we all have nice-sized TVs now. They're all pretty affordable, uh, you know, for the most part. Um, and then, you know, but, like, there's nothing like going to a theater full of, you know, a hundred other people that you don't know and experiencing something at the same time. It's like going to a concert versus listening to an album. You Correct. know
0: what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I went to my first comic so, on, uh, like, two two years... No, last year. And the only reason I went there is because I wanted to meet uh, Billy Zapka from Karate Kid. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it,
1: and
0: it, was, it was great, you know, just, uh, you know, go there and just meet somebody from, you know, one of my favorite movies growing up.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because John and Hayden... Uh, you know, who wrote and directed American Reunion, uh, are wrote and directed uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's already out, actually. It came out last, last week.
1: Oh, did it come out last week? It awesome.
0: came out last week. I haven't watched it yet, but I read an article today. It already had 15 million views.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I'm sure. Yeah. I remember when they told me, I, I talked to them, I think it was when I was doing the premiere for Lost, Lost October, or, or maybe it was Living Among Us in February. And they were in Atlanta shooting that. I think it was last year that they were shooting. So that's yeah. that's great, man. Those guys are super funny. And I saw the preview for it, and it looks really good. Yeah. Is there? A, any, that's what I mean. Like you know, rebooting rebooting those yeah. old school things like Karate Kid. I'd I'd love to do something. You know, that's that's uh, a, a a genuine reboot of Rookie of the Year. That would be. Yeah. You know, that would not sort of just ride the laurels of the brand but actually do it justice
0: but you have to be in it if you reboot it
1: oh for sure there's no question yeah. i would i would do it in a heartbeat and like i said i i might you know do that crowdfunding campaign see if i can't change fox's mind there you go
0: is there uh, anything else you want to tell listeners before we end this
1: um man i don't know if you uh i guess as far as uh, Comic-Cons are concerned, if you ever hear of a a Wizard World in your area, I will be at all of them. So <laughs> yeah. come come say hi uh, if you are, are in a city where there's a Wizard World. I'll be in uh, Philly in uh, a couple of weeks. Nice. All
0: right. And how can uh, the listeners find you on social media? Where are your handles?
1: Uh, well, my name is too long for all social media, so uh at tin band is my my handle for for instagram and facebook and twitter so just at tin band all right
0: uh, i want to personally thank you for coming on and uh, you know this was a blast and i hope you come back on and talk about your other projects in the future
1: yeah man thank you for uh being flexible with uh the schedule oh no um, problem sorry for the uh for the confusion Leading up to uh this moment that we finally got to chat, but thank you so much for having me on your show, man.
0: Oh, no no problem, thank you.